Hey, motherfuckers, this is Ann Nam at what is supposed to be your drunk-ass pocket friend. But this week, I'm on some meds for my doctor, and they make me a little sleepy, so I'm not going to be drinking. I thought instead, this week could be medicated ass, but ugh, please don't think of my medicated ass. Also, I do have like four cups of coffee in me, so watch out. In honor of my sad state of sobriety, I'm dedicating this week's themes to posts from 2006, when my cheekbone implants got infected, and I ended up on antibiotics for four months, and I had two major surgeries to remove the hardware from my face. Around this time, I had an infant, a three-year-old, and my head up my ass. In this first post, I know I feel exhausted, but I haven't quite figured out what's wrong. So let's go. Bikini waxes and craziness. I like to go insane on a theme. Today's embarrassing confession? Apparently this bat of crazy is about downsizing. Or if you're Freud, maybe it's boxes. Two weeks ago, I had to gather up several cardboard boxes and get rid of lots of clothes. Because oh my god, we have enough clothes. If you're not wearing it right this minute, then out it goes. Monday until present, all dinner food must be in casserole form. One pot, one side salad. Do not suggest a dinner that cannot be made ahead of time and then popped in the oven at the last minute. I will cut you with this butter knife. Later, I found myself gazing at pictures from Martha Stewart living, like a 12-year-old boy with his first copy of Playboy. A full-page photo of an office with a wall of matching boxes and color-coded binders shelved perfectly. Even though everything I have office-wise is mostly contained on a computer, making binders and boxes completely useless. Unless I had shoes in them. But that is a whole different fantasy. Mmm, shoe office. Still, uniform boxes? I was strangely attracted. That's when my family started avoiding me. Because, well, you can clearly see why. Once crazy gets a theme, you try to stay out of its way. Or crazy will roll right over you. And you will get crazy juice all over the new shirt Anne had to buy you this afternoon. Because, oops, you woke up and your closet was empty. This morning, I told my husband that he will have to take the kids two weeks from today because I have an appointment at the beauty salon to go have a good majority of my body hair waxed right off. See that theme again? Don't make me mess with any more hair than I absolutely have to. Rip those effers right off my body, so long as I don't have to think about them any more than once every six weeks. Actually, I'm kind of nervous about the waxing. Although I declined the Playboy version, I am getting a bikini wax done. I'm cool with spreading my cheeks for the OBGYN because she's a doctor. She weighs more than I do, and she's already seen a baby fall out from between them. But what about a woman adorned with 10 pounds of acrylic, hair extensions, and makeup? Not as comfortable with her making judgments about my hoo-ha, especially since I have to not shave for two weeks prior to going in. I'm not sure if they've accounted for the fact that in two weeks, I'll look like a Sasquatch. So what's the etiquette for getting waxed by a perfect stranger? Go all natural? Wear some heavy corduroy pants and warm things up on your walk-in? I think a dab of perfume or lotion would send the wrong message and might mess up the waxing process. I do not want to mess with hot wax and not get results, damn it. Nothing must stand in the way of crazy downsizing. I'm considering squeezing an Altoid between my cheeks. I mean, I'd never be able to go back if I unclenched and farted a mint on her shoe during a particularly painful moment. However, if things worked out all right, I might be that breath of fresh air every hairy nervous woman wants to be perceived as when getting her bikini area deferred by a perfect stranger. P.S. 
When I asked the difference between the Playboy and the regular, the 20-something receptionist described it thusly. The Playboy is, they leave more of a strip, you know? And the regular is just around the edges. Glad we cleared that up like two adults with no shame in talking about our female body parts. Backstory. Okay, here's some backstory. I had both jaws broken for maxiofacial surgery at 17 years old due to an underbite and headaches associated with TMJ. Basically, I had the profile of a bulldog. Surgery meant some titanium bolts in my skull, adding cheekbone implants, and wiring my jaw shut for two months. Liquid diet for eight weeks and a liter bottle of codeine for my trouble. This experience set me up for college, wherein I started freshman year suddenly much prettier, newly skinny, and used to drinking my calories. I call that a win-win. And maybe you're thinking, I'm a hideous beast right now? Joke's on you. If you've listened this far, we're friends, and so you are the kind of person whose friends are hideous beasts. Here's my podcaster's note. Later that week, I'm getting my teeth cleaned at the dentist when my right cheekbone tingles uncomfortably. And since there's a medical professional right there tooling around in my mouth, I wait until he takes a break to say, hey, I got maxiofacial surgery when I was 17, and one of the implants has been feeling funny. I touch my cheek, puffy, warm, like the rest of me. But also, the unpleasant sense my cheekbone is not quite connected to my face. He touches it too, which sends electrical twinges through my skull into the roots of my teeth. Yeah, you should get that checked out. Like, in the next six months, or like, immediately, I ask, because his frown is not playing around. Yeah, I'd get that checked out as soon as you can. What's wrong with it? I ask, horrified. He goes back to scraping my teeth, avoiding eye contact like maybe he thinks I'm an idiot. That's out of my purview, he says. But I know enough to know it looks bad. What's grosser than gross? What's grosser than gross? When your sick eight-month-old blows snot bubbles on your boob as she nurses. What's grosser than that? When you set the baby down to blog to the internet about how gross snot bubbles are, and only a scant moment later, you see your eight-month-old diaper end up inside the nearby wastebasket. Pull her out, kids chewing on used Kleenex. Gee, Anne, what's grosser than that? Your child clenching her lips until she is able to swallow that glob of snotty Kleenex. Try as you might to fish it out of her mouth. All the while, you get to hope she at least got the Kleenex that contained her own boogers. Want to play again? My husband took the week off this week. I thought that meant a relaxing vacation during which I could play pretend to be a real rider while my husband play pretended he was a stay-at-home dad. What it really meant was seven effing days, and counting, whee, of utter chaos. So ready? Here's the happenings and easy-to-read joke layout. What's grosser than gross? When after 13 years of coexisting together, your cheekbone implant decides to start rejecting out of your head. Swelling and pain ensue. I had reconstructive surgery on my head when I was 17. Today's embarrassing confession, I am so vain, I feel it necessary to always point out that it was reconstructive surgery and not cosmetic, just so people don't think I'm vain. What's grosser than that? Sitting in the office of a doctor you haven't seen since you were in high school and having him mutter in an irritated voice just outside the open door of your room. 13 years ago? Jeez. 
like you are some groupie who has shown up after a long-forgotten one-night stand, now with a lanky bastard at your side. Come on, Doc. I know that now instead of a glowing recommendation of your surgery skills, I am instead a problem you will have to report on your statistics, but I hardly cause this to happen. What's worse than that? Hearing, quote, it's a toss-up, end quote, whether or not they'll have to remove the implants, but first I get to take a whopping dose of antibiotics. What's grosser than that? Waking up the next morning, filling the prescription, and heading off to your very first bikini and underarm wax. Internal distress indicates, as you are pulling up to the beauty salon with your lumpy face and hairy pits, that the possible side effects of diarrhea associated with antibiotics may indeed be problematic. What's grosser than that? Getting hair ripped out of your inner thigh while listening to your angry squirrel stomach and really wishing you had an Altoid between your butt cheeks, if only to use as some sort of corking device. Wow, Anne, what's grosser than that? Meeting your husband at the door with your swollen face, de-haired body, stinky pits because no deodorant for 24 hours per beautician instructions, squirrely stomach, and boogery nose. That one's care of your sick child. What's, at least potentially, grosser than that? Having your husband look at you with something of a still appreciative eye, God bless him, the man is amazing in that respect. Then getting to tell him that thanks to the glories of antibiotics, he will get to wear the raincoat of love for the next two weeks. And wow, did that gleam in his eye go out in a hurry. What's grosser than that? Realizing your mother-in-law is in the next room as you bleed out your raincoat of love euphemism? Dear God, Anne, what's grosser than that? Nothing, kids. Nothing is grosser than that. Should I kick his ass? Or is public outing punishment enough? Today's embarrassing confession? A lot of you had really great questions about the cheekbone implants, but instead of answering them like a rational adult, I'm avoiding talking about them right now because I feel kind of nervous about the surgery. When I scheduled, the doctor gave me the caveat of, I'll see you Wednesday, unless the swelling gets worse, or dimples, or turns red. All of these things might indeed happen, and if so, we will need to take it out immediately. Also, in a different sentence, I saw one of those implants get so bad it came right through the skin of the patient's face. So I've been spending all my neurotic slash blogging time, and quite a bit of overtime as it turns out, poking my cheek and then wondering if it's red from the constant poking or from popping throughness. Ditto swelling. Because I'm perfectly sane until I'm not. And so I think that if I continue to silently poke and worry instead of talking about it, nothing bad will ever happen. It's like the Prince of Tides, only my inner demon is silicone and I don't get to bang around with Babs at the end. Between these posts, I have the surgery. I spend about two weeks unable to eat food. It's slim fast and painkillers all the way, which makes me feel very Hollywood. People put me to bed and let me shuffle around the house in a bathrobe. I lie on the couch, and when kids need love, they crawl up and lie on top of me. Through a veil of drugged up sleep, I hear people shushing them away. Your mother's not well, we need to let her rest. After a week, I get to eat eggs. My husband takes off work, drives me four hours round trip to the doctors. Once there, the doctor informs me there appears to be an underlying infection not yet fixed by the surgery.
It's an Anne liquidation sale. Everything inside me must go. Or so said the doctor today, after telling me the infection in my sinuses is still not cleared up, even after the surgery removing my implants. Here's some partial frontal emotional nudity from yours truly. Also, my face. Bet you didn't think you'd see that today. Ta-da! For now, my understanding is that all that shit you see in my head, all the screws on the right side of my face, out they go. Probably. Here's a dramatic recreation of how exactly things went down. Except not exactly, but more seen through my angry haze of extreme irritation, and while a tiny voice in my head tried to overrun my ability to comprehend by screaming, wait, what? What? What the F did he just say? What? Doc. Whoops, sorry about not picking those screws out of your skull last time I cut your head open, because that would have been hella convenient, seeing as I was right there, you know, taking those implants out. Me. So, a surgery to take these screws out will clear things up, right? Doc, <laughs> that's funny. Oh, not joking, were you? Well then, seriously, no. It might help, but probably not. Me. Uh... Doc, but the guy who does the Roto-Rooter snot-sucking operation won't touch you with a 10-foot scalpel until you have all that metal out of your head. Me. So, two surgeries? Doc. Well, yeah, but since you did not get rid of that infection while taking enough medical-grade antibiotics to clear up a UTI and the mother-effing Statue of Liberty, first we will take you off the antibiotics to see what happens. Me. Speechless. Doc. I have a feeling that infection might clear itself up. You know, after not being killed off by all the various antibiotics you've been taking since. Well, since October. Unless you're counting the antibiotics you took before the implants came out. Geez, that takes me back. When did you first start antibiotics? Me. April. Doc. Of this year? Whew. Time flies, yeah? Anywho, let's just see if this infection will clear itself up by the magical, magicy magicness of nothing. Well, make sure you call if anything gets worse, okay? Anyway, more later, when I stop hemorrhaging sanity. P.S. And hey, aren't I a sexy bitch when you remove all my skin? Yeah, I am. Oh, and also, that's a wraparound x-ray. I don't look like I have a rattlesnake jaw in real life. Promise. Okay, here I have to tell you, but I'm not exactly sure how to explain. My husband was really into saving the implant stuff that the doctors took out of my head. Not in a lawsuit way, but in this strange emotional attachment way. It was once part of you, he told me. Also, he seemed a little jealous the doctor got to see parts of me he presumably never will. If my husband wasn't normally such a Spock from Star Trek type fellow, I might have veered entirely into creeped out. But since he is, I made an effort to insist upon getting back all the medical hardware that came out of my face. My husband keeps it in a little box to this day. At this point, I'd already been successful getting my cheekbone implants. If you want to see pictures, I have them up on my blog, annom.com. Top 7 Reasons I Need My Head Screws Back I don't think the doc is going to want to give me my remaining head screws back. You know, I need to destroy the evidence, hospital regulations prohibiting improper disposal of medical waste, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't going to give me the implants when I went in for the first surgery, but then I made him laugh, so he agreed. Now I know his weakness. 
It's just a matter of which one of these will catch him off guard so he'll consent. Just like the lions taking down the weak zebra in the Discovery Channel, or how I convinced my husband to get married. Give me the screws! Number one, they are the booby prize for my next party. Number two, I'm addicted to eBay. We'll sell anything not screwed down, including screws. Three, I'm making tiny Frankenstein monster. Also, do you have a smelter you can lift from the operating room? Four, I'm raffling them off on my website in which I bitch about your medical treatment. Five, husband has already purchased a tiny screwdriver and has no other way to justify this purchase. Six, promise several old boyfriends one last screw. Seven, will make me the secret Santa that some lucky gift exchange participant never forgets. I'm off tomorrow to go under the knife. We'll return with lots of gross goodness to report, but possibly not posting or commenting for a while. Embarrassing confession? Uh, twist my arm, internet. My last surgery and morphine-based post-op adventure taught me that one, achieving orgasm, two, being funny, were borderline unachievable during a week or so of the recovery period. Now, this doesn't mean I won't try, but success seems like it might be difficult. Sunday's confessional, in which I'm rude and petty. Here's a steaming pile of embarrassing confession for you. I think I pooped on the operating table. P.S. This one is so embarrassing, I actually practiced confessed it to my husband a few days ago. Completely straight-faced, he said to me. Why, Anne? Why would you ever tell me that? I had no good answer, but I'll tell you something else. That part I just told you is not the heart of the confession. I mean, as far as unconscious acts go, unless the scenario includes binge drinking, I don't think a person should be held responsible for the things they do when they are out. And come on, it's just poop. I have two small children. Bodily functions and all their glory do not hold the same terror they did when I was 19 and single. Everybody poops. I've had to read the picture book on that subject more times than I can count. The embarrassing part is that as time goes on, and this doctor pisses me off more and more, I'm secretly kind of gleeful I pooped on his operating table. I hope it was really stinky and had interesting acoustics, and maybe that the doc has some kind of phobia re-fecal matter. Okay, hitting publish now before I can think through whether doing so is a good idea. My only defense is that I'm really angry with my doctor and also emotionally about two years old. Enjoy. This has been Ann Nam, your drunk-ass pocket friend, and you've been listening to tales of my cheekbone implant removal. You can find photos of the stuff they took out of my head at annom.com. This podcast brought to you by Four Cups of Coffee, editing by a new medical malady, and music by John Bartman. If you like this episode, do me a huge favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find this podcast, and honestly, it makes me feel loved. Plus, it costs you nothing at all. Thanks and bye!